This is Mission Qualphone, a monthly podcast that takes you inside the workings of our company, but not just the ins and outs of business. We look at the ideas and insights that make Qualphone truly unique. As a company, we are committed to being the best and making each person's life better. Join us as we get to know and learn from people from across the organization. What's their story? What have they learned? And how do they live out Qualphone's mission? Welcome to Mission Qualphone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Mission Qualphone podcast. I'm Jeremy Lunnan, and I'm here on my own today. My partner, Marisol, sadly has COVID, so she is not able to join me for the intro of this session. She's she's doing okay. She says her symptoms are mild, but it's a little tough for her to catch her breath. So uh, we're letting her take it easy, and that's why you're only hearing me today. And we've got a great interview today. We'll be talking with our Chief Mergers and Acquisitions Officer, Trevor Allen. And I think you'll really like today's episode. So with that, let's hop right to it. So we are very excited to have with us today, Trevor Allen, who is our Chief Mergers and Acquisitions Officer. Trevor, thanks for coming on. We're super happy to have you with us here today. I'm so excited to be here, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. He's also on our approval team for the podcast. So one of the questions I get sometimes is, how do we get some of these podcasts through? (laughs) And Trevor's one of the officers who listens to it and approves it before we get to publish it. So thank you, Trevor. Well, Marisol, I'm so excited you've decided to produce this and do it. I'm happy and very, very glad to be part of the team. Thank you. So I'm always on the lookout for guests. Like if something triggers my interest, I'm like, I want them on the podcast, which I know sounds weird, but we were on a town hall. We have monthly town hall meetings with our chair, our CEO, Mike Morrow, and the executive team sometimes answers questions that get sent to Mike. And one of the questions was around COVID. And they wanted to know what the executive team had learned on a personal and professional level about COVID. And I was, I was really interested in the answers that the executive team gave. And when Trevor gave his, Trevor, do you mind giving the answer? Because I thought it was excellent. Sure, I'll be happy to. Um, So there was two parts of the question. One was, what did we professionally learn from COVID? And the other one was, what did we personally learn uh, from COVID? And from a timing perspective, I think it was around the August town hall, maybe September, I can't remember exactly. And my answer was that professionally, I was surprised how the world has changed in business to where we can do so much virtually uh, versus in person. Uh, I remember a time just earlier this year where we'd have clients and potential clients ask us to come to their offices. They'd have 10, 15 people in the room. They'd want us to bring four or five people with us at least. And, and that's all virtual now. So that was the professional part of my answer. The personal part of my answer was that, um, you know, an interesting thing happened with COVID. Uh, I moved to the U.S. from uh, Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon's a country that sits between Israel and Syria uh, in the Middle East, right on the Mediterranean. That's where I was born. We moved here when I was 10. And that was during a civil war. Uh, so we had fled a civil war to come to the U.S. and live the American dream. And 
one of the things I noticed through COVID is this was my first time in my adult life, and certainly in the U.S., where something had come around that could actually kill you. And it was really neat to see how everyone kind of banded together, both personally and professionally, because uh, they realized, hey, you know, this, this interaction I'm having with you, this time I'm having with my friend or my family, a lot of it was virtual. A lot of people jumped on Zoom calls to try to stay safe, but they realized that, hey, at any time you might find out that friend or family member or coworker might get sick. And back in April, we really didn't know what that meant. Uh, we didn't know, you know, anything about COVID really. It was a brand new virus. And it was just interesting to see how personally all my friends started reconnecting with people that they hadn't talked to in a long time, even back from their childhood. And that was a big lesson for me is just seeing how something so negative like the virus could actually cause people to react in such a positive way. I thought that was such a great answer. I didn't know, I don't think he went into as much detail as you did right now, but I remember thinking that there was so much depth to your answer and I appreciated that because I know, I I mean, Jeremy and I have both said this before on the podcast, we, we all appreciate the amount of work that everyone put together so that we're here in November we're almost at 15,000 employees. You know, it's something I'm grateful for. And I know that I think many are. So, so thank you. So Trevor, I would love to hear, I love to hear people's stories and kind of a recurring theme you've probably noticed listening to the podcast is not very many of us ever planned on working in BPO. And I would love to kind of hear your, your brief history, you, you arrived here in the U.S. as a 10-year-old from Lebanon, and now today you're the chief acquisitions and mergers officer for, for a big company. And I would just like to hear maybe some of the high points from that journey from when you arrived here in the U.S. to, to what you're doing right now. Sure, I'd be happy to. So the first step was to learn English, <laughs> which, which uh, I did in summer school uh, in Fayetteville, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. And uh, I literally learned it on a computer in summer school. And I talked like a computer for a long time. Slang's really the hardest part of English. And quite honestly, it's part of what made me really excited about coming to work at Qualphone. When I joined Qualphone five and a half years ago, you know, we were a good bit smaller company than today. Uh, and we've always been a super diverse company. And having been through that experience of dealing with uh, language issues, I think that's part of what attracted me to being here because, you know, we had individuals from all around the world working at our company and we all had to figure out how to communicate properly with each other. Most people don't know this, but I think as early as 10 years ago, the language at Qualphone that was generally spoken was Spanish uh, and it switched to English around 10 years ago. And uh, I remember when Alfonso Gonzalez told me that when I think it was my first week or two on the job, I just thought that was really fascinating. The first part was just learning the language, Jeremy, mm -hmm. getting through the U.S. college system, you know, figuring out how to finance that. I ended up going to Emory University in Atlanta and uh, had a good bit of student loans uh, come out of that. I had been working in a sales call center prior to going to college for uh, a financial services company. Uh, so I started on the phones. Uh, and then once I was in college, I thought I wanted to become an entrepreneur in technology and then the bubble burst. Right. 
because I graduated college in 2000, right when everything fell apart. So I really, really needed a job because I had all these student loans and really no experience uh, other than a college degree. So I was lucky enough to find a job by one of my great mentors who I'm still friends with today uh, through the Emory Career Center at a subsidiary of uh, Zurich Financial Services Group. And that job was in BPO. So we handled back office services on behalf of mortgage companies and nobody grows up, like you said, thinking they're going to end up in the call center or BPO business, but I really needed a job (laughs) and it was a really good job and it helped me pay back my student loans and learn a lot and had a great mentor, which was super attractive to me. That's been one of the things that I've really tried to make sure I have in place in every position I've taken. Uh, And that's really how I got into the BPO business. Fast forward to today, I've had multiple operations roles, learned a lot from those through various mentors. I've had financial restructuring roles, and I've had great mentors through that. Very, very fortunate just to kind of carry the mentor theme. Uh, And then I met Mike Merrow uh, about 12 years ago when we worked together at APAC. He was the CEO there, and he's been, you know, just an incredible mentor for the last 12 years. We worked together at APAC. Uh, I left there and became CEO of a private company in South Carolina. Uh, It was an education-focused company, as a matter of fact, and we sold it to Blackboard Student Services. The company's name was Perceptus. And then after that, Mike uh, called me up and said, hey, I'm over here at Qualphone. Let's let's work together again, which was music to my ears. So that's how I ended up at Qualphone. That's great. So Trevor, today there was a funny email exchange about the number of employees Qualphone. And it's great to have you on to tell us the story, but you know, I thought we were at approximately 15,000 employees, but because of a recent acquisition, that number was higher. Do you know exactly what the number is? I think we're at 15,070 employees as of today. So could you tell us about it? Could you tell us about the new acquisition? how we live the mission through our acquisition department. Sure, you bet. So um, a few weeks ago, uh, we acquired a company called MAR Graphics. It's a family-owned business uh, and family-run business that's been in business for over 50 years. We had gotten to meet this company over two years ago. So I think one of the first things I would say about how we live the mission through our mergers and acquisitions activities is that you know we're not a financial acquirer. Uh, we're a true mission-led strategic acquirer. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, number one, we have to feel the culture of any acquisition that we've made. Uh, and we've made four since I've worked at Qualphone. Uh, and Qualphone has made six in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've been at Qualphone almost six years. One of the main things we look for up front is that alignment in culture. Uh, We don't necessarily think it's possible to find another company that has our exact culture because we're pretty unique, but we look for things that tie back to our mission. So the fact that MAR Graphics had a family-owned business for such a long time, they'd never gone through a layoff, even though they had been through some very difficult things, including a natural disaster uh, about 10 years ago where there was a flood in the area. They help support the town in which they live in. They're in a small town south of uh, St. Louis called Belmire, Illinois. And even through our diligence, when we did uh, the survey to their clients, one of the recurring themes 
was that they had an impeccable amount of integrity and they were uh, very honest. And that is, you know, one of our absolute top ways that we live the mission through our mergers and acquisitions criteria. We're not like a financial investor that just rips apart a company's financials and is looking to figure out how to buy a company, maybe make it leaner, change things at the company just so that we can turn around and sell it a few years down the road. I'm not saying that we don't look at financials. We certainly do because, you know, part of our uh, mission is to make sure we're financially responsible, but we don't have that mindset that a lot of financial investors have. We have more of a mission-led strategic mindset. If we really like a company's financials, but we don't like their culture, or we find something that makes us think, hey, their culture is significantly different than ours, then we just won't make that acquisition. And one of the ways that we do that is getting to know potential acquisition targets for a while before we actually try to acquire them, uh, just like with MAR, where we knew them for two years. So I hope that helps, but it's, it's a very, very different way of going about acquiring other companies. So let me ask this, Trevor, because from someone outside looking in, and, and what I mean by that is someone who's not directly involved with acquisitions, you said that we spend time to get to know them. How does that happen? How do you get to know a company? I'm just kind of interested in that process. How do you get to know them? So... I've got several ways with which I look for companies that uh, we feel are a good fit for Qualphone. Once we actually get to meet that company, then it usually starts with a discussion around the goals of the owners of the company. And most of the time, if it's a well-run company, uh, which is what we like to acquire, they're not in a huge hurry to sell tomorrow because they have a nice, well-run, established business. But they're getting help evaluating whether they should sell or not. In some cases, they've already made that decision. In some cases, they're thinking through it. So I try to meet them early. That way, you know, we have the opportunity to think through their issues together and trying to figure out whether they should sell or not. A lot of times, we end up at a place where the sellers decide they just want an investment. Uh, they don't want to be fully acquired. Uh, I'd say that happens on probably half of all conversations that we start. And then, you know, we're not a bank. You know, we're a BPO company. Uh, so if that's where they end up, then that's great. It means we were able to help them get there by kind of letting them know how we think about the business, what we're seeing in the market, and learning about their business. And, and when you go through that process, you have multiple, multiple meetings, right? They share their financials with you. They share some of their operating strategies with you. You go tour their facilities, you get to know them. And in some cases, we even do business with them. So another thing we did with MAR Graphics is we sent them business on behalf of one of our clients. Uh, so we also got to know what it's like to be a client of theirs before buying you know, their company. Uh, and when it was time for them to sell and it was the right thing for them, then we were able to put a deal together, which was great. MAR Graphics, we knew each other for two years. Dialogue Direct, we knew each other for a year and four or five months, almost a year and a half. CSG, we knew each other for seven months. And Intermedia had a relationship with Qualphone for almost three years wow. before we made the acquisition. And I want to just point this out. I was acquired, I think, right before you came on board. I was part of Center Partners acquisition in 2014. And it's amazing to look at our leadership in the company and you can see, oh, 
so-and-so was with CSG, this person was part of Intermedia, this person was Dialogue Direct, and I've been impressed at how we really embrace and we, you know, make these people right away part of the organization, and I know that's not always the way it happens. So I was really impressed with the Dialogue Direct acquisition, how, I don't want to say it was seamless or perfect, but it was, it was the orchestration of it seemed from my perspective, I was just really impressed. I was really impressed how, how that was done and how quickly and how even continuously we're working to unify everyone. So Trevor, how do we do that? How do we do that so well? You know, Marisol, this is something that a lot of companies struggle with after an acquisition. There's books and books and books and business cases that have been written that show how if you have a mismatch in culture, an acquisition doesn't work. And the way we do it is we really focus on the mission of Qualphone during the diligence process and when we first meet a company. And we'll only acquire them if we feel like we have a similar culture. And then post-acquisition, when we actually acquire the company, we make sure that we respect the way they do business. We respect each team member uh, that works at the acquired company. And we try to learn from them because we buy and hold forever, unlike many of our competitors and private equity firms out there that are also out buying BPO companies. You know, they're buying and then they're trying to turn around and sell that business five years later, four years later, et cetera, which causes all kinds of disruptions. We're trying to be there for each person that's part of our family and for our clients for the long run. So post-acquisition with Dialog Direct, uh, as, as an example, we kept the entire Dialog Direct management team. Uh, and as a matter of fact, they took additional responsibility over global Qualphone. Dialog Direct was a sizable acquisition for Qualphone. And for example, the Dialog Direct CFO, Jim Gimmon, became the CFO for all of Qualphone today. Uh, Doug Kearney, uh, who was the CEO for Dialog Direct is now the COO for all of Qualphone. So a big part of it is making sure previous to the acquisition that we have good cultural alignment and post acquisition, you know, really making sure that we allow everyone at the acquired company to see how sincere we are and giving them bigger roles at a larger company now named Qualphone that's a unified company across the board. And I kind of gave a couple of examples from the executive team at Dialog Direct, but if you start going through the individuals that were working at all levels of Dialog Direct, you'd see that there was a lot of folks that gained more responsibility and promotions through the acquisition as well. So very, very different, very specific uh, mission-led way to go after unifying the companies. Okay, so you're the chief mergers and acquisitions officer. And so obviously you're, you're heavily involved with that, but I'd love to hear about some of the organic growth that has happened here at Qualphone. You know, a big part of our, you know, mission-led acquisition strategy is to make sure that as we acquire companies, we are doing everything we can to be successful for the long run. I think you've heard me say a couple of times that we buy and hold mm-hmm. forever and unify everything into one company and try to be humble through that process. Well, the ultimate measure of that is whether clients continue to grow with you post-acquisition. And what I'm very, very pleased with is seeing how many clients from the various acquisitions that we've done have grown with Qualphone after making an acquisition. 
and then overall, uh, our ability to sign new clients has gone up drastically. And uh, we've had so many more new clients join us every year over the last few years compared to, to previous times. So I think that's always a great indicator. And, you know, when you look at our numbers for 2020, I'm just so happy to see us being successful with new clients, growing current clients, client satisfaction. And obviously that's also directly linked to the high amount of satisfaction that we have among our family members that work at Qualphone. So, you know, the real hard work begins not in evaluating an acquisition or making it. The real hard work begins after you've made the acquisition uh, for the long run for, you know, your fellow family members at Qualphone and clients. And I'm just relieved and really, really happy to see that going so well. Trevor, I want to just provide a little context for the listeners here. Part of the process of producing this podcast is we have other people listen to it before we publish it just to get their feedback. And Trevor is one of those folks that listens. And we had a situation here a few months ago where one of our guests referred to an industry term, butts in seats. And as we were getting feedback, and, and Trevor was specifically uh, one of the people listening that said, you know, do we, do we really want to talk about the term butts in seats? And then my thought was, it's, there's negative connotations, absolutely, but it's an industry term, and we wanted to be as, you know, as, as real as possible in this podcast, which Trevor understood completely. But now that we've got you in the hot seat, Trevor, I think there's a great opportunity maybe to even explain what, what that means when we say butts and seats and why there is a concern when we hear that, because it is, it, that is counter to what we do here at Qualphone. But I, I'm just wondering if you might have any thoughts on that. So, Jeremy, thanks for asking the question. And I do remember that episode and I do remember my comments. And I think as far as the industry is concerned, I've been in the industry 20 years. The term certainly outlives my experience in the industry. You know, people are saying butts and seats because when clients hire you to answer a certain number of phone calls or to process a certain number of transactions, uh, it requires a human to sit in a seat and actually answer the phone call or process the transaction. And if you don't have a work environment that encourages that person to come in and sit in the seat and actually do the job, then that creates problems for clients. So I understand that that's what the industry has done for a very long time. And that's why it's an industry term. I just don't believe Qualphone to be industry standard. We want to be the best. That's what differentiates us at Qualphone. You know, I know for myself, when I think of the Gonzalez family, the way they think of every person that is hired, it's not like anything I've ever seen in any company or any, even outside of a BPO industry that I've been a part of. I almost feel like I wish we would acquire companies that are the opposite just to get those agents (laughs) to be a part of our organization because for the like better of humanity. I know that sounds very grandiose, but that's honestly, you know, where my passion for for Qualphone BPO and and the mission fallen. It's just like it's nothing that's out there. So to address your comment with with answering 
uh, Jeremy's question, you know, the industry term butts and seats, I think it's really pointing to, you know, a capacity issue. Uh, that's not really what we're about. We want to be the best. And in order to be the best, we focus on each person at Qualphone and helping them reach their full vocation. And as we go forward, we're doing all kinds of super creative programs to help each person reach their full vocation. And we are also and have implemented a lot of technologies that help solve the capacity problem without necessarily having a direct correlation to a person sitting in a seat. And I think that's huge. I just, I, when I think about our industry 10 years down the road, I think if a company's value proposition is industry standard, and it is to simply have a human sitting in a seat processing a transaction instead of what we do, which is help that person reach their full vocation and surround them by education and technology that helps them do their job better on behalf of our clients. I think that's, that's more appropriate for what we're trying to accomplish. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot and ask you a question as a, you know, executive, a chief level officer, there's a vocabulary to our company. We talk a lot about mentorship. You know, we use certain words often. You use one word that I would love a little more clarification on how we use, how we use it, which is the word humble. You know, it comes up often. And I think it, it sometimes I understand what we mean. And then sometimes I, I'm not clear. So could you kind of do an on-live mentoring session and help me understand what that means as a mission leader? I could try, and here's kind of how I think of it from my perspective. To be humble, and I'm trying to apply it to both mentorship and acquisitions because we've talked about it in both ways when it comes to this podcast. If I've got a mentor, and I did, um, I've had several, but one of them taught me that, hey, the best mentor-mentee relationship is that either person can mentor the other at any point in time. And both have something to learn from each other. It's not one person instilling all this wisdom and advice on someone else and telling them what to do. It's getting the ego out of it, being humble, and sharing experiences both ways that you've both had and learning from those experiences. And I feel like that applies to both being a good mission leader and a good mentor, as well as uh, making acquisitions. So when we acquire a company, we're acquiring companies that we can learn from. And if we don't uh, set our ego aside and stay humble and be prepared to learn from them, then it's not going to work. Not if you are a mission-driven company that's going to be unified forever. And that's kind of how I think through it, Marisol, is that if you and I were in a mentor-mentee relationship, it doesn't matter who's the mentor or the mentee. We're both sharing experiences with each other uh, so that we both learn from each other. Trevor, thank you for answering that and for coming on the podcast and for being part of our team that gets this published. Well, Marisol and Jeremy, thank you for having me. Uh, I look forward to these podcasts every month. Uh, we're so lucky to have you doing these every month. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you asked me to be on. Thank you very much.
We want to thank Trevor Allen again, our chief mergers and acquisitions officer, for being our guest. And uh, I want to take a minute just to wish my co-host and partner, Marisol, uh, get well quick. She uh, is not here today as she has COVID and she is resting at home. But uh, last time I talked with her, she said she's feeling okay. Just a little short of breath and a little hard for her to to keep up a conversation. So our prayers are with her. And and Marisol, you are missed. And we will definitely see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, you can hear the Mission Qualphone podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please check out the other episodes. Make sure you subscribe and, and leave feedback. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of Mission Qualphone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mission Qualphone. Remember, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, and we'll see you next time on Mission Qualphone.